0: Podcast by Auburn fans for Auburn fans. Brought to you by the Auburn Uniform Database. Visit them at auburnuniforms.com. War Eagle Auburn fans, welcome to Inside the Jungle, your source for Auburn men's basketball analysis. And tonight's episode, we're going to be breaking down the Auburn Tigers' win over the Vanderbilt Commodores by the score of 83. 83- to 79, your Tigers are victorious in their home opener in the SEC competition portion of their season. They are currently sitting at 14 and 0, and continue to be one of the two remaining undefeated teams in the nation. It's a proud time to be an Auburn Tigers basketball fan. We're going to break down everything from that game and any other news that's happened since our last episode here on this episode. To do that, I brought in my friend and co-host, Mr. Drew Hooper. Uh Drew, I'd say that that game was probably a little closer than we liked it to be.
1: Yeah, closer than we liked it to be, but I'm not shocked. Vanderbilt's a really improved team this year, and I think uh Jerry Stackhouse in there has a a lot of good things that he's doing with that team.
0: And I, I think you brought up a lot of points that I want to touch on in that opening statement from you right there. And the first thing is it, let's go back to last season Vanderbilt was the laughing stock of this, of this conference. Other than Texas A&M there was and maybe Alabama, there was no team worse than them. So they've had to climb themselves out of a hole, which is really weird to say the fact that Auburn was doing so well. And a team like Vanderbilt, which used to be a perennial power in the sec being down so low, and when you can understand why they go the route of getting the Jerry Stackhouse, a big name like that, a big hire to get some more buzz back into the program. And I'll say this, I'm not one to, you know, think that the hype train really works that quickly for teams. You can see that with Bruce Pearl. It took him three seasons, three or full, four full seasons before he even made a, a tournament. But all that being said here, it looks like Vanderbilt might be on a little bit of an upswing thus far uh, into the season. They were eight and five coming in. So now, Drew, I would tell you this: Do you think Jerry Stackhouse is going to be able to go big, thing, do big things with Vanderbilt?
1: I, I think he'll do good things for Vanderbilt. Uh, I think Vanderbilt has to be graded on a curve, which is funny because everyone that gets into <laughs> Vanderbilt uh, gets annoyed by curves yes, they because do. we all have to be graded <laughs> on them. But uh, Vanderbilt, with their unique admission standards and everything, he can he has to target select players, and they may not be the particular players that are going to come in and really move the earth there at that program be one and this and something the other they have garland last year ended up getting hurt went to the nba so he really only played three games for vanderbilt but he was one of those type of players now you see stackhouse coming in and really piecing together a very good team with uh obina being a force lee uh just being able to stroke the ball and then Naismith. And I mean, I didn't even know but Scottie Pippen Jr. I didn't know that Scottie Pippen's son played for Vanderbilt, but I, I think he's got them on the right track and he's going to be a very good fit. I just think Vanderbilt may be thinking far too much of themselves yeah, on what their, their bar actually is, but I think they'll, they'll always be competitive.
0: Yeah, they did seem to play with a bit of an edge, and I won't say say arrogance, but a little overconfidence. They did come in, obviously, and gave Auburn a run for their money, um, taking them down to the wire. Now, I think some of those, again, were um, some mistakes that we made. Uh, that could have put that thing away. But to their credit, they played really well at times and had some players step up to him, which we'll touch on more throughout our discussion here. The, the other thing that you brought up that I thought was interesting too is I had no clue either that Scott – I didn't know that Scottie Pippen had a son, much less that it was Scottie Pippen Jr. on the Vanderbilt team. So it feels like Vandy is becoming maybe an NBU, NBAU minor type of situation there where they got Stackhouse now. They went out and got Scottie Pippen Jr., uh, and for that matter, since you're a Tennessee guy, Drew, what's up with the state of Tennessee going out and picking NBA former talent? I mean, what's uh, who's over at Memphis? I'm blanking on his name right now. Penny Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. So what's going on in Tennessee?
1: Well, yeah, you got Penny Hardaway here at Memphis. He's got Mike Miller uh, as his assistant there and former NBA player, 17 years there in the league. Jerry Stackhouse actually came from the Grizzlies, so he got to spend a year here in Memphis coaching. And you know what? Yeah, I'm really impressed with that hire, I thought. Uh, Vanderbilt had a good one with Bryce Drew and then let him go just things didn't work out and I thought Jerry Stackhouse was a very quality hire he's a high IQ basketball mind really going to get things done you know what they're just I think we're finally getting to that generation of the 90s and 2000s NBA players that are getting into the coaching realms and so I think it's really unique to kind of see a lot of names that you and I are familiar with yep. that we grew up with, starting to enter into the coaching ranks and seeing what they do.
0: It's neat, but it also makes me feel old, Drew. This, these are the guys I watched play in the NBA and and you know kept up with, and now they're coaching players. Does that does that make you feel old?
1: I I mean, Stackhouse a little bit because I did grow up with Stackhouse. Like, Penny, I I was born in the 90s. I know that makes you feel really old. yeah. But, I mean, I didn't grow up on Penny. I didn't grow up in Memphis, so I don't have the Penny mania like everyone did here with Memphis State basketball. But, you know, it it is unique to kind of see players entering into that, that area. And it's fun because you watched how they manipulated the game so much whenever they played now you're getting to see how they tinker with it as a coach, but sometimes that doesn't work out. I was listening the other day and you got Michael Jordan. People say he's such an awful coach and GM and owner because he gets so mad because not everyone is as good as he is <laughs> and that I mean legitimately so it, I think that's a reason why to continue on this conversation our little sidebar here of like why Peyton Manning hasn't become a coach not that you get annoyed that no one's as good as he is but no one thinks on the level that a Peyton Manning does Right, and, and so it is good to see these players that had really good success in the league and do a lot of good things, maybe not the most cerebral, out-of-this-world, once-in-a-lifetime player, hop in and coach because they are smart, smart players, do a lot of stuff well. That's why, I like, Jason Kidd in the NBA, I, I've always been really impressed with him as a coach because he was he wasn't the most athletic or most talented, but he could outthink a lot of people. And, you know, that's fun to kind of see for me.
0: It, it you know I I will say this as old as it makes me feel I, I do like seeing those names back more in prominence with the game of basketball whether it be on the professional level or at the college basketball level uh, it is it's cool to see the wheels turn the other direction now and so Jerry Stackhouse at Vanderbilt uh, he's obviously. Already kind of got them on an upswing, and I, I think, though, maybe not back to where they used to be very quickly, but at least we will be competitive, like you said, down the line. So good luck to Coach Stackhouse the rest of the year, and thankfully we won't have to see them again because they gave us all we wanted in Auburn Arena. So a little bit of the game flow for those of you that weren't able to watch it. First half, it basically was the Isaac Okoro and Saban Lee show. And yes, you heard me right. I said Saban, uh, but not Nixon. This guy's a little bit taller than little Nicky from Tuscaloosa. Uh, They led scoring for both teams, and that's what really kept it tight, pretty much. One would score, the other would come down, and whether it was a dunk, a three-pointer, a nice little drive into the lane, uh, that was the Lee and Okoro show in the first half. Second half, uh, the fireworks continued with Vandy storming back after Auburn tried to pull. Auburn kept trying to pull away, but every so often, especially when Naismith got going, that is what kept them in the game, and it forced Auburn to kind of make some very good defensive plays at the end. Uh, to take the win home for Auburn. So, Drew, what did Auburn not do well tonight that allowed Vanderbilt to stay
1: in as long as they? I, you know, I don't think they got their hand up on the three point line as often as they should. Uh, but I think it was one of those that Vanderbilt's, it, it, they're just better. Like, they're, I don't think we underestimated them. I don't think anything like that. I think you saw Lee and Naismith have very good games. Vanderbilt was very scrappy, and we, we've we played some scrappy teams, but SEC play gets a little bit different, and you know what? I I don't really know if there's as much that we could have done better. I think we rotated pretty decently. I, I don't think we clogged the lane as much as we should have, But but honestly, I think it was just one of those that Vanderbilt had a really great night, and Auburn had a Decent night, and it it was one of those that Auburn still found a way to pull it out. And in the basketball world, as long as the season is, that's exactly what you got to do from time to time.
0: And if you look at these stats right here, some of them would lead you to believe that Vanderbilt might have won the game. I mean, they shot fifty percent on the night from the field. Auburn shot forty four percent from three point land. Fifty nine percent for Vanderbilt. 25 for Auburn that kind of continues the theme of some struggles well what we would consider struggles by l- latest Auburn standards point realm Auburn again continues to be better at free throws with uh, 74% and then this is probably where they slipped up a little bit and probably lost the game for themselves only 68% for them from the free throw line now the good the thing here is we had a lot of players uh really making an impact of going into the lane and drawing fouls and getting to the free throw line which allowed us to have more shots 25 for vanderbilt 38 from the free throw line for auburn which increased their chances for more free throw points here tonight now drew I, you know i don't think we should leave the listeners in suspense any longer we have to talk about isaac i mean good son, the have a game uh 23 points uh The TV people were calling it his coming out game in terms of just coming out to the stage and just here I am. I think he's had one of those already where he had a pretty decent numerical game. Uh, And this one, 23 points, 10 for 14 from the free throw line, uh, six rebounds and uh, three assists as well. What did you think about Isaac Okoro tonight?
1: I, I thought Okoro did absolutely anything everything you could ever wanted from him. I mean he he had it all. He blew by defenders. He was very tough on the inside, rebounded when they needed him to, even stepped back and knocked a three at one point. It was a complete game from him. And really it couldn't come as a better time. And I want to ask you a question on this. Okay. If we would have started this game off and I would have told you that the combination of Wiley, Dowdy, and McCormick would shoot 24%, would you have said Auburn would have won that game?
0: No, absolutely not. That would have been a horrendous game for Auburn.
1: Yeah, it would have been awful. But that's exactly what they shot. They did not play well in a group. I mean, from, from the offensive end. Wiley, his numbers look good because he got to the line 10 times. But overall, you, you're saying... Auburn's not winning that game. Ain't no way with the, with those three headed stars. Like they're, they're not going to walk away with a W from that game, but you see guys like Okoro step up. You see guys like Purefoy who had a pretty decent game. Macklemore off the bench, having a good game. And really you just got to be impressed with the next man up mentality. I know gets so cliche, but it seems like this Auburn team is exactly that they're not Jared Harper and Bryce Brown. They are a team. Like all, all those players have a hand in every part of this game. And Okoro, it was his time and they needed him to. And what better way? Because the threes weren't dropping, but the inside of that lane was wide open and he attacked it all night.
0: And I think it's a great point to bring up in terms of focusing on next man up or the team mentality of this here, because we talk a lot about it seems like. There's a, a particular portion of the season where somebody will drop off in terms of their points production for a while. It was Okoro. We weren't hearing a lot from him, but he was doing the things that you need for a starter and a, a leader to do play great defense and make most of the baskets when they come to you. He Just wasn't getting a lot of opportunities in this game. It's the reverse. He got the opportunities and he made the most of them. Now it seems to be Dowdy where Dowdy, was nailing everything. He doesn't seem to be able to hit much lately. He only was one for five from three-point land uh, on this game tonight, only six points. So it just seemed like even though where you might have a star at one point in this, he may not necessarily be the star in the next. Another great example there is Daniel Purifoy, very quiet for a little part of the non-conference play, but he slowly come onto the scene, started knocking down that uh, three-point shot and has made a lot of impact plays. I mean, uh, we'll talk about a, another dunk in a second, but I thought uh, D'Angelo had a pretty sweet little dunk down the lane there, and it would have probably been the dunk of the night had it not been for Isaac Okoro. Please, Drew, tell me you saw that one.
1: Yes, I saw both dunks, and you know what? Just to add a little bit to your pure Freud chatter, I think his defense has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Yeah. Really has stepped it up has invested a lot in that side of the ball. And he even said it himself that he he really wanted to focus going to SEC play on his defense and making sure that was a staple of his game. And you know what? He went a little quiet on the offensive end for a while, but the defense has always stayed. And I've just been really impressed. I felt like he also got robbed on a really good block last night too that seemed clean as could be that that Bruce had had another (laughs) meme made about him.
0: Oh, you got to love when Bruce starts throwing tantrums and he gets a nice little meme moment out of it because uh, he is definitely animated on that sideline. Whenever that jacket comes off is when I get excited because that means, oh boy, here's Bruce at his finest. Uh, That dunk, though, by Okoro, I mean, I don't know that it actually made the Sports Center top 10, but if it didn't, it's a a travesty. Oh, it It did. It very much did. Did it get number one or where was it?
1: I think it was top three minimum, uh, but I know like Acoras one it in many states right now.
0: And I think uh, I know this is a bit maybe of a rush reaction, but I already saw people moving him up very high onto their draft boards. He was already a a first rounder, but I saw as high as number four overall. And I was like, "Eh, I mean, he's doing it was a great game and he's been doing well all year. I think it's a little bit drastic to jump him up from like the high, uh, the low 20s to to four that quickly. But uh, oh, no,
1: he's been sitting at seven for the past like four or five weeks now.
0: Well, what rankings have I been looking to? I don't
1: Probably, know. probably your antiquated systems, Yahoo or something like that. No, it's, probably the, it's,
0: probably the case. it's probably the same system that convinced me that Alabama was going to be decent this year. So that's what I'm going to blame it on. So you'll stop harping on that with me and, and, and lumping me in with groups of people on this network that are actual Bama fans. Not me, Drew. Not me at all. Um, okay, let's, uh, the other thing I want to point out from that dunk thing was Obena, the guy he dunked on. Somebody needs to check on that guy because he couldn't even make two easy baskets at the end of the game there uh to tie it up uh he seems to be completely messed up uh, after that what else stuck to out to you tonight from this game
1: well i mean just a, a sidebar just because we finished up about the the dunk I, I do enjoy the comedy that comes out of the post-game pressers with the players because <laughs> that obviously everyone goes up and asks Isaac Okoro about the dunk and his comment to media was i, I think it's Justin Ferguson who tweeted it out one of the beat writers for auburn said he told justin yeah I, I have better dunks than that in high school and daniel purifoy as like honest as you can be and you can just picture it in your mind of how it went down as he's sitting there listening to this and daniel purifoy allegedly leans over and says no you didn't <laughs> and like I, I just love that kind of uh, the fun that this team seems to be having uh, and just really the fight Gets a little easier for them to fight with each other whenever you have that camaraderie and i think that's what we're seeing play out because i mean i even sent you a stat that john rostein pointed out for us of just talking about last year's auburn team averaged 79.4 points a game this auburn team actually averages 82 points a game and they're shooting three less three point shots they're not shooting as well from three and it just shows that they are finding ways to get down in the dirt and win games and it may not be as high-flying as last year, but it is just as fun.
0: It's, it is really fun because we're actually seeing a, a more well-developed and rounded basketball team this year. I mean, that stat says it all right there. When you're making less threes but scoring more po- points overall as a team, that shows you right there that you're giving yourselves more opportunities to be successful on the court night in and night out and with a completely new uh, squad they had starting' it's a different team, different circumstances, but they're, again, not going back to the same old formula there. And I think that was a great stat that you brought up from Josh, John Rothstein. It made me really excited for where this team could possibly head. And speaking of excited, we can address this too. Auburn made the top five in the AP poll for the first time in decades. Now, I was riding high off of that Mississippi State win, Drew, but – I mean, I didn't expect this in the top five, did you?
1: I did not, but I really want to encourage everyone who listens to, listen to the show, if you don't, go follow John team one He's a CBS beat writer, does really good work, is very middle of the road. But also, I, I don't keep up with AP as much because I've learned over time that the AP is super corrupt and lazy balladers. And the, the one I keep up with the most is actually a local guy here, but he's a national... Writer for CBS called Gary Parish, and he does a twenty-five and one after every uh, set of games. So, like, we have games to we had games last night. He did a twenty-five and one, but he's been keeping Auburn in that. He had him in the eight spot, and then we see him move up in the AP poll, and then a week before they move up in that, he moves him up five. And so, I keep up with that because he's really good about doing in time rankings and. He puts a lot of effort into it, a lot of interest into it. And so I'm not shocked to see them go up to five because a lot of beat writers read his articles and vote based on that because he puts the time and effort in. But if you would have told me back in October we have been sitting here, I would have called you a liar.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a really surreal thing to see. I mean, as good as Auburn has been doing for the last couple of actually say that we are in the top five of a major poll is – is surreal it, it really just doesn't feel like it's true because we were so bad for so long and to see us dig out of this with coach pearl and, and reach this hopefully not plateau hopefully we're going to go even higher it's just it's just so awesome uh so top five in the ap Poll for auburn in two decades Um, the other thing that i wanted to bring up from this game too and something we touched on a little bit last episode was you felt we needed to see more bench production because we only got Anthony Mclemore giving us, I think, two points in the last game. Well, he did that and some with 14 points. But I think what you're seeing here, and you pointed out to me, was maybe a transition in who gets to come off the bench, uh, sans, um Mclemore, who comes off in terms of Devin Cambridge, Jamal Johnson, or Alan Flanagan. Uh, you noticed that Alan Flanagan, the coach's son, is coming off the bench before any of the other two. Uh, what do you think about that scenario?
1: Yeah, I, I think... You know, we're really going to have to wait till next game to see if that's kind of the new rotation. I think with Vanderbilt being longer of a team than Mississippi State was uh, in some of their lineups last night, maybe that's why we saw Flanagan first because he's a little bit larger. But I, I, I've i been impressed with Flanagan. He was the one that I thought, you know, he'll be good. I don't know how great he'll be this year, but I think he comes in and he cannot register a stat, but he impacts the game with how long and energetic he is on defense he just kind of glides across the floor and as far as Jamal Johnson he's been letting me down a little bit lately I don't really know what's going on with him he seems kind of lost as as to what his role is right now but I, I think he'll regain it but I think Flanagan coming off the bench early and being the first off last night was an interesting choice and I thought he impacted the game in his 16 minutes that he got to play.
0: And I'll take it one step further for that trio there. Cause I don't really count Macklemore as part of that. He's the sixth man. I mean, he might as well be a starter because of his time here. Uh, but just because we were so talented and the best lineup we have it right now is the five that we started tonight. I do count C- Macklemore in a different sec, but that group of Cambridge Johnson and Flanagan has been kind of interchangeable. We've seen Flanagan struggle. We've seen Jamal do better. We've seen Devin Cambridge have a lot of impact plays and I wasn't impressed with Devin in this game as I have been in others. But what I what did notice, just like you, is the intangibles that are coming to the forefront of Flanagan's play. Obviously as a coach's son, you you kind of play with a chip on your cho- on your shoulder that you want to obviously make dad proud, but you obviously feel like you're under the microscope more. So you have to do those little things. So like you said, let's watch the next couple of games and see if this was just a situational, a matchup decision by Coach Pearl and his staff. Or is this actually what is best for the team that Flanagan follows with Macklemore as the first one and two in, in, terms, in terms of performance right now? So I thought that was a great catch by you in terms of roster moves in this game. And we'll watch it for the rest of the time here. Last couple of notes, though. Happy birthday to Austin Wiley. I, I wouldn't say it was a you know the greatest game he's ever played, but he had a lot of impact plays, a couple of dunks. So happy birthday to him. And then drew this little stat. This is now the most winning senior class in Auburn basketball history. Eighty eight wins. That didn't that hit me last night. Just in like blew me away. That yes, this these all these guys have been here for a while, and I and I feel like personally, I don't know what you feel like that this is the first complete senior class that Bruce Pearl will be saying goodbye to at the end of the season what do you think about 88 wins for this class
1: yeah I think it is well deserved and I think kudos to Bruce for bringing them all here and really picking out personalities that fit uh, I think we can't say enough about how the teams we've seen even over the past three years I know last year was kind of the peak of the mountain but I I think over the past three years we can really look at how Bruce has done a good job fitting players together that are Auburn men and really represent the university well and they happen to play basketball at a high level and so uh, they're really deserving of that honor and it's going to be sad to see him go at the end of the year but I think Bruce kind of also hit it on the head whenever he talked about Austin Wiley last night that you know, getting Wiley in that class way back when kind of started the ball rolling in this process, and really starting to see great players come into the Auburn program. And you know what they're they're going to be players that that live in infamy, or not infamy, but live in kind of lore there in Auburn for quite some time.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good thing to think about there because when you think about not the class necessarily because some left early, but the the group of Jared Harper Bryce Brown and Chumo Kiki yeah they kind of set the stage for the new wave of Auburn basketball in terms of the hype factor. But when you really look at the the groundwork that has been laid for everybody, you can look right here at this group. I mean, just when you look at Macklemore, as they haven't mentioned it in a while, thank goodness because they got off that storyline. But did you know that he turned down an Ivy League the 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 genius guy so to speak the phenom in some terms, and Austin Wiley coming in, the two transfers in McCormick and in Dowdy, and then Daniel Purifoy, which was supposed to be the headliner for this program for a long time, and he's he's done some great things. But I think being Mr. Mr. Alabama basketball, I think, was his title. He was the most coveted one coming out of Alabama, buying between Auburn and Alabama. Some different stories for each of those five guys that I think – is built within those 88 and plus wins hopefully as we keep continue to talk about this season that is really unique to talk about there. So congratulations to the senior class and congratulations to the Tiger for beating the Vanderbilt Commodores at home open up SEC one SEC at home one and O. Oh. So let's talk about the next game this one's at home as well and it's probably the biggest game of the SEC young SE so far versus Georgia at home uh, currently at 10 and 4. The game will be played at 5 p.m. Central Time this Saturday, the 11th, and you can watch it on ESPN primetime. Yeah, well, somewhat primetime game on ESPN. It's the big game for them. Um, they have a signature win we've already talked about in our SEC preview over number nine, Memphis, and SMU. Um, they have, their worst loss might be to Arizona State, if you call that a worst loss. Um, but, Drew, I don't know whether I should feel more confident in Auburn or more worried of Anthony Edwards. What is your take on that story?
1: I feel confident in Auburn. I think you put a Coro on Edwards and watch him just keep the clamps on him because Edwards plays guard, but is more of a forward size. I, I think really with the talented as a Coro is, and honestly, as you watch them play this season, as Bruce Pearl also said last night, he's got six seniors with how Isaac Coro plays. I think you you send the the calm, cool, and collected to Coro and just tell him his mission is to shut Anthony Edwards down because you shut Anthony Edwards down, that game's over, done and dusted. Georgia cannot score enough points to keep up with Auburn.
0: Here's the storyline that I haven't heard a lot yet, maybe a little bit of chatter about this, but do you think this could be a battle for who is really the best player in the SEC this year between Okoro and Anthony Edwards?
1: Uh. I don't I don't really know. I I think that battle comes as far as who's better when we possibly I, I think it's maybe a three way light race. I think Trenton Watford's pretty good down at LSU as far as freshmen go. And then Maxie is pretty good at Kentucky. along along with other freshmen in the league. But I think it's a three-headed race between those, and then Edwards is in there as well. But I think Edwards is going to fizzle out. I just don't know. I'm not a fan of his game. He disappears far too often for my liking.
0: Well, I'd like for him to disappear a little bit more because right now he's scoring 18.7 points per game. And uh, if the, the last game is any indication over here, Naismith, who scored, I think, 23 points per game. He was held under that for 18. Still a decent amount of points. Uh, but if Auburn can hold Anthony Edwards under his points per game, I would suspect that means they're probably going to have a decent game tonight. Another guy to keep your eye on their best rebounder, Junior forward Rayshawn Edmonds, 8.7 rebounds per game. I mean, really, it comes down to this, I, I think, with Georgia. I think they're a decent program. Tom Crean. Uh, Runs a pretty good ship over there. Uh, But I I do think that as long as we can shut him down, we will win the game. They're coming off a loss against Kentucky, 78-69 to at home. Uh, So they're probably on a little low point right now, and it's not going to be much easier coming in arena. But we'll break that one down when we talk again. Quick update for you on the women's program. Uh, As we close out here, their last game, they sadly took another loss to number 20 Arkansas. They battled back, though, Uh, Because they were a lot further down for them, they lost seventy to eighty-six, and that's in response to uh, responsible for Ramirez. For Margaret, all had seven three-pointers. Auburn men's basketball needs to get a few lessons from her right now. Their next game will be uh, hosting Florida. This uh, actually, as we're recording this right now, I think they should be wrapping up, so we'll update you next time on how they did. But hosting Florida right now—that's your women's basketball update. Drew, final thoughts as we head into the big game against Georgia
1: i i think really this is going to be a pretty not easy but decent win by auburn I, I think georgia does pose some threats but as long as auburn takes the game seriously it should be a 15-0 auburn tigers team heading into next week i'm hoping it doesn't come down to
0: a couple of uh, free throws or an errant inbound pass again because that's you know that, that's just too much for my little heart to handle right now so let's hope it's 15-0 when we talk again and that's all we have in the on this episode before we get out of here Uh, Let's give them our contact information. They can find me on Twitter at
1: TigerEye24. Where can they find you? You can find me at Drew underscore Hoop, hoop p zero two 2 on Twitter.
0: Thank you for listening to another edition of Inside the Jungle. But until we talk to you again, War Eagle. War Eagle.